0: Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about the Vox community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays in Placentia, California at the Eldorado Performing Arts Center.
1: Good morning, Kenyans, hello. Oh, really? A smattering, a smattering of applause. Thank you, thank you. No, thanks, thanks, wow, wow. All right, everybody, Uh, I don't know if you came here expecting uh, Beauty and the Beast. Um, That's what's been playing here the last couple of weeks, but you got the beast part right here, and the beauty, oh, my wife straightened her hair this morning. Oh, Justy, stand up for just a second. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Let's go. Shining, beautiful. All right, everybody else stand. No, I'm kidding. All right. I uh, want to welcome you to Vox. If this is your first time with us, oh, come on in, guys. Come on, YouTube, right there. Come on. We have beautiful seats. Right, right there. Right? No, no, not there. I was pointing there. You don't want to be next to that family, the Williams. Oh, you're going. Oh, nice. Nice. Do it. Do it. Hi, Josh. Nice to meet you. Who, who's that? You don't know who that is? That's your sister? In law. In, oh, in law. That's the difference. Okay. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for sitting there. All right. Welcome to Vox. We're really glad you're here. A couple of things. Number one, um, we are a community that is built on um, three central convictions. Um, if you're around here for any length of time, you will hear these over and over and over. Number one, The church should be the safest place to talk through and wrestle through anything. And to that end, we have a very, very high value uh, that folks are safe to belong. And so that's our little t-shirt slogan. Um, We also have a huge value that the church exists for the world to love and serve the world and not sit in judgment of it. And we also deeply believe the church exists to uh, hand the next generation um, a faith that is for today. And so for us, that's why we're here. That's why we do this. And those are the things you're going to see over and over and over again. The, the great thing about this community uh, is that there are some folks here who, are hap- who happen to be fans of Jesus. Uh, and then there are some folks here who are very much in process about that big question. And we're particularly glad that you're courageous enough to show up with a friend or a family member. Um, and we just want you to know what's going to happen today. I'm going to talk for a little bit, and that'll be the best part of your week um not even remotely and, and then we're going to sing and uh and we've got a, a guest worship leader named Joy and uh, she is a recording artist lives up in Hollywood she has been gracious enough to drive down and be with us this morning uh then we're going to uh, Jacqueline Jacqueline where are you Jacqueline Jacqueline is going to be a story uh she is a story she's going to tell her story and then we're going to celebrate the Lord's supper together and then we'll do some more singing because we just can't get enough That's a song reference for you 80s fans. Now, um, and then, and then, guys, this is when you know a church is run by millennials, all right? I said, hey, wouldn't it be great if we did, if we had some ice cream after the service? I said, that would be great, right? A little ice cream social. I'm thinking Midwest. I'm thinking potluck. I'm thinking vats of vanilla ice cream and toppings. And instead, what they got for us was a shaved ice truck, Okay, now, now that's fine if I had asked for shaved ice, okay? But what's shaved ice? Ice with a bit of food flavoring, correct? Does that, is that ice cream? Is that, in what world is shaved ice and ice cream the same thing? It's, it's not. So, I'm going to protest by not participating in shaved ice today and by going to, do we have a Dairy Queen near here? So that's what I'm talking about. No, we have we have shaved ice afterwards. I just had to give you the journey uh, in my heart to accept that we have shaved ice. So so don't leave right away, introverts. This is our attempt to bribe you from running out of here and into the parking lot. Like as fa- I mean seriously, I can't even catch up with you. I exit and tr- I'm sprinting and you're gone. So, we're hoping shaved ice is enough of a temptation that you have to engage with one person you don't know. So, we'll see. We'll see how that works, because we we clock you, and right now it's about six seconds from here out to the parking lot. Now, uh, we also have something called a new dinner that we do once a month, Um, and the next one's coming up in September, and if you want to find out... Really, this this place is a church. Um, yes, and we can tell you more about us and how those three convictions kind of play themselves out. So that's coming up in September. But we want to start uh, today by uh, looking at the scriptures. And so, if you have a Bible, great. If you don't, we're, put, we're going to put everything up on the screens. And uh, we've been doing we've been doing kind of an interesting take on Jesus. We're big fans of Jesus, uh, and um, and we're trying to get him here for a book signing, and he just hasn't. He, keep, he keeps saying, I don't know when I'm coming back. Only my father and I don't What's Come on. So um, we're fans of Jesus. If he, if, you'll be the first to know if he's back. Um, but uh, we've been looking at the various insults that um, the insults that were given to Jesus in the first century by his contemporaries. It's an interesting way to kind of figure out what he was actually like by looking at the names he was called And so uh, we've got a good one today that's going to require a bit of background. So if you knew the Bible, we'll explain everything. Uh, And as always, there's a great deal of permission for you to participate, to not participate, to fall asleep, uh, to stay awake, to stand, to sit, whatever. Uh, You are free to engage however you would like to. But we want to spend just a bit of time looking at uh, this particular insult, Luke chapter 5 is um, a passage that we started this little church with and we want to start there again because of how significant the actions of Jesus turn out to be. Luke chapter 5, verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. Now that's how we say it in America. Levy is how you would say it in Israel. Sitting at a tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Now, tax collectors. Let's talk tax collectors for a moment. How popular are tax collectors today? Josh? Not very. very. Even less so in the first century. If you remember, tax collectors were Jews who had sold out their Jewish brothers and sisters by collecting taxes on behalf of the hated Romans who occupied Israel at this time. So what Israel, or what, the, what, what Rome would do is say, hey, hey, we're not going to collect the taxes. We're going to hire Jewish people to collect taxes from other Jewish people. And the way we incentivize the tax collectors is that they can take a cut of whatever they collect. So if you owe Rome like 25 coins, Uh, they can charge you 30 and there's nothing you can do about it. Every time, if you were a fisherman, every time you would haul a catch in from the Sea of Galilee, a tax collector would be waiting there to collect a portion of the fish that you caught. The rabbis called tax collectors one of the most seven despised classes of Jewish people. And it was taught that it was almost impossible for tax collectors to have life in the age to come. In fact, if a tax collector walked into your house, the tax collector, just in virtue of being in your house, would make everything ceremonially unclean. You'd have to wash everything, just in virtue of the tax collector walking in. So, not very popular, correct? The fact that Jesus is assembling a band of followers and a tax collector's on the list. So, Modern examples, um, how about a, a child pornographer? You'd go, no. I mean, that's how disgusting, right? Um, uh, a terrorist. A, I mean, just whatever, whatever, whatever revulsion you would have about a class of people, that's the equivalent of what Jesus was doing here. So Jesus sees this person collecting taxes and says, follow me, which is the Jewish way of saying, become my student, and learn about this thing that God is doing. So Levi got up and followed him. Now, notice verse 29. Then he held a great banquet for Jesus, where? At his house. So how, how unclean is a tax collector's house? Everything, everything is unclean in that place. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others gathered. Who were the only people that are friends with tax collectors? Other tax collectors. And a group called sinners. All right, so the others here are like, this is a notoriously sinful crowd. Jesus, uh, Jesus it says, a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with Jesus and his disciples. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law these were some of the religious experts in Judaism they complained to Jesus's disciples why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners and notice tax collectors are one group and sinners is a different group tax collectors were even lower than sinners all right and sinners by the way that was a that was a category that the Pharisees used for anyone who didn't agree with them so you were a Pharisee or you were a sinner so Why does Jesus eat with them? Now, some of you will know this. Some of you, maybe this is new. Mealtimes were the equivalent of bathrooms in our culture today. A table where you would gather and eat was incredibly controversial because eating with somebody in the first century was a way of showing acceptance and approval and kinship and friendship and a sharing of status. So, The Pharisees taught that you should never eat. What pleases God is that you would never eat with anybody who was unclean. And you would never eat in a place that was unclean. And you'd never eat food that was unclean. And you would never eat with utensils that were unclean. In which case, a tax collector, everything was unclean. And Jesus shows up at a party like this. And a banquet like this would be public. So the religious leaders are seeing Jesus sit and dine with tax collectors and sinners. And to their imaginings, this is undermining the faith of God's people. So they complain to Jesus' disciples, why in the world is your rabbi eating with such scum? I mean, seriously, I mean, we can just imagine, who would Jesus eat with today? Just pick the worst moral category we can imagine and put Jesus out to dinner with them. And that's the equivalent. So Jesus has this great line. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, and it's beautiful. It is not the healthy who needed a doctor, but the sick. Doctors don't separate themselves from sick people in order to heal them. They get, have to get near the sick people in order to bring healing, correct? Correct. So Jesus sees himself that way. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, repentance is one of those old Bible words that's been used to beat people over the head. Repentance just means this. Reorient your thinking and living in light of the new thing that God is doing in Jesus. This is how you used to live and think. Change that to align yourself with what God is doing in Jesus. Now, look at me, well, tentatively, I mean, you may want to shield your eyes. They, they tell me that sometimes when I wander right here, my face is in uh, shadow, and I think that's fine. My wife says that's when I look the best, and I, I don't know what that means, I just thought that was hurtful. But you straightened your hair, oh my goodness, how am I supposed to focus don't look at you, but you shine like a beacon. (laughs) All right. What are we talking about? Song of Solomon, chapter one. (laughs) Bible joke, Bible joke. If you don't know the Bible, that's a very, anyway, we won't get into that. Um, So Jesus is eating with them and he says, listen, it's not the righteous I've come to call, but the sick, just like a doctor would. Now, Oh, now here's just a little more background, guys. This is so important that you understand. The Pharisees' project was the same as Jesus' project. They wanted to call Israel back to being the true people of God. But they went about it two entirely different ways. And the parallel is, you see that same tension today within Christianity. The Pharisees thought honoring God meant you obey the commandments, you obey the rules that the Pharisees added around the commandments, and that you kept yourself separate from everything that could make you unclean. So their program was separation. Jesus taught, yep, obey the commandments. You don't have to obey all the rules of the Pharisees. And the way you call people to repentance is through association, not separation. So Jesus would... He would, ahead of time, before people repented, before they got their act together, before they got cleaned up, Jesus would extend grace, fellowship, status, acceptance, forgiveness to them. And it scandalized the religious leaders who thought you will only give those things to people who've already repented. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? Don't you talk to me like that. I've done nothing but compliment you. The tone she used was, Yeah, we got it. You're going to podcast at home? Okay. Is that making sense? Two projects, Association and Separation. Jesus says the way you interact with the world is you associate you extend grace before truth you you extend fe- you you extend forgiveness and you extend kinship acceptance before people have gotten their act together it, it's not it's not that you get your act together and then come to Jesus no, no 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 Jesus calls you loves you invites you and then he's the one that helps you get your act together that's the difference so the, the, the Pharisees, they, they don't shut up here. They keep going. They said, John's disciples often fast and pray. Now, this is John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, who came into the Galilee before Jesus did as a prophet in the desert. Remember, he, he's, he's eating locusts and honey. He's got a very ascetic lifestyle in contrast to Jesus. And so they said, John's disciples, they fast and pray. And so the disciples of us, the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. So, how, so Jesus says, and this is so brilliant, can, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? Picture a wedding. Is fasting appropriate at a wedding celebration? Of course not. So Jesus pictures himself as the bridegroom coming to marry his bride, his people, he says, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and those day they will fa- in those days they will fast. In other words, hey, Jesus, why do you eat with such scum? Well, first of all, it's the sick that need a doctor, not the healthy, but secondly, I'm here and Jesus thought his mere presence on earth was reason enough to celebrate. There'll be time for fasting later, but right now, the kingdom has come. It's right here. And all of the previous boundaries have been broken. All the walls and the divisions have been torn down, so of course we're going to eat, and of course we're going to drink. And so in the book of Luke, he's eating and drinking all the time. Fire up, Bruce. Luke 7. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Luke, uh, whatever, next, eleven. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. Next, 14. When Sabbath, Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee. Next, 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Next. Oh, did I just do 15-1? Yeah, shoot, there's 15-2. Look at this. This magic book just... Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and teachers muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus was always eating with people, right? The religious people, the non-religious people. Often when he was eating with the religious people, sinful people would interrupt and anoint his feet with her tears, you remember, and so he healed somebody. And I mean, he just got into all kinds of trouble, Eating with the wrong kinds of people. Go to Luke 19, turn there. I know we're over making this point, my wife, but it's super important that you see how thoroughly Jesus was immersed in eating and drinking to understand the insult that comes his way. Luke 19, verse one. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to die and he has to go through a city called Jericho. A lot of wealthy people live there. Jesus entered Jericho. Jererico is what I was going to call it. That's the Hebrew. Jererico. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. That means that all of the offers he had for dinner, because all the prominent people would be offering Jesus food. So Jesus said no to that and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a what? What's it say? A chief tax collector. So he got a cut of all of the cuts that the lower-level tax collectors, this was like the first multi-level marketing strategy, right? And don't get me going on essential oils. Don't get me going. <laughs> so, so the low-level guys would take a cut, and then, and then he took a cut of their cuts before everything got passed to Rome. So so he was was at the top of the corrupt heap. And notice what the text says. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Well, no kidding. He'd be one of the wealthiest men in the city. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Now, if you grew up in church, there was a song about Zacchaeus. (laughs) But in the Greek language, the he is short could apply to either Jesus or Zacchaeus. So I, we have this tall, blonde Jesus with blue eyes and white features. I think he was short, pudgy. He was obviously Mediterranean. He was obviously Palestinian. And, and I just love that it's not quite, who, we're not sure who the short one was here. I love it. So take that, you Sunday school song. No one would sing, Jesus was a wee little man, you know. <laughs> if you didn't grow up in church, that was the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Now, so Zacchaeus ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree ahead to see Jesus, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must what? stay at your house today. So he turned down all of the other invitations from the respectable people and accepted the one from the, and and he didn't even accept. He initiated with the most notorious sinner in the region. Okay. Everyone would have known this man, hated this man up in the tree. Jesus names him. I don't know how he knew his name. He, you know, he's Jesus. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, har, 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 he has, I will pay back four times the amount. So notice what led Zacchaeus to repent, to reorient his life. It was the grace that Jesus showed him. He could have stood up and preached at Zacchaeus, but he didn't. He invited him to share a meal. Then Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. And the word salvation is a playoff of Jesus' name. Jesus' name means Yahweh saves, Yeshua. So when you say salvation, it's today Yahshua has come to his house, and it's both senses. Salvation has come because I'm here, is the idea. Boom. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the son of man, a name that Jesus has for himself, came to seek and save the lost. So Jesus is getting into trouble all the time with who he's eating, that, that was introduction. Let's go to the insult, Luke 7. Okay, now check this one out. Jesus is, is speaking about his cousin, John the Baptist, and he's critiquing the generation that rejects them both. And he, he says an insult that they've been saying to him that he's been hearing about him and John. He says, for John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. Oops, verse uh, 33, Luke chapter 7. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. (laughs) That's too, that's that's like too antisocial and too withdrawn. The Son of Man, a reference to himself, came eating and drinking, and now you say here is a glutton and drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So do you see the contrast? Jesus is saying, your generation is ridiculous. John the Baptist shows up, and he lives out in the wilderness, hardly eating anything, and and you say, that's out of line, he has a demon. But here I come, eating and drinking, the opposite of John, and you say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, listen, we've got to look at this. All right, look at the phrase glutton and drunkard. Try to see through me a glutton and non-drunkard, but try to see through me to that glutton and drunkard thing. Now this, that's not a random phrase. That's actually a very serious accusation. Bruce, Deuteronomy 21. Yes, look at that. This is in the Old Testament, and this was written by Moses and given to Israel if someone has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gate of his town. Next. They shall say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a what? So what are they saying about Jesus? Jesus. Now, this this accusation was taken so seriously, the command was actually to put the son to death. Now, yeah, this isn't talking about naughty kids. This is talking about grown-up adults who refuse. This is the breaking of the fifth commandment, honor your mother and father, whose refusal of their family's authority is so corrosive, it actually corrupts the community and distorts the community, and you have to deal with it and get it out. So when they call Jesus a glutton and a drunkard, what are they saying about him? Jesus not only is not honoring his family, he is perverting the faith community. He's so scandalizing the faith community that he's actually corrupting it. Cuz people will say, "Listen, if you hang out with sinners all the time, don't don't they get the idea that you're condoning sin?" And I just want to say, well, Jesus was quite content being accused of condoning sin. Right? Jesus, Jesus really didn't care if his association scandalized the religious people. But, and it did. Why? How do we know it scandalized them? Well, look at the accusation. He is a stubborn and rebellious son, a glutton and a drunkard. He is, he is perverting the faith community and corrupting them. I mean, holy Cow. That was funny. So the first accusation was, he's a glutton and a drunkard. What was the second one? Do you remember from Luke 7? He was a what of sinners? Was a friend of sinners. Now let me show you how big a deal that is. Is this, so, is this working, Mike? Do you have um, uh, Sirach? Yes. Now, this is later rabbinical writing. But this is about the concept of friendship. To say Jesus was a friend of sinners was to say that Jesus was a sinner. Because like only hangs around with like. So check this out. This is later rabbinic teaching. Be on your guard and very careful, for you are walking about with your own downfall. Every creature loves its like, and every person their neighbor. All living beings associate with their what? Own kind, and people stick close to those like themselves. What does a wolf have in common with a lamb? No more than the sinner has with the what? The devout. So, this is a massive insult to Jesus. You are corrupting the faith community And you're just like the sinners you're hanging out with. In fact, one scholar, next slide. One scholar put this. Jesus shows a faithful God's, a faithful God's, oh yeah. Jesus shows a faithful God's universal love and mercy. To the religious leaders, Jesus's promiscuous table fellowship is apostasy and an act of perverting the people. Jesus, a glutton and a drunkard, will die for the way he eats. Now, why go into all of this stuff? Simple. You have two warring factions in Christianity today. You have more than that, but at least two. One says we must separate ourselves. We must cloister together in our own subcultures. We we must make sure that we never give the impression that someone we approve of could ever understand that we're not approving of them by showing them simple kindness and decency. So it's just much better before we can love anybody to tell them we don't like them, we disagree with them, we vote against them, whatever it is, in order to separate ourselves as if that were the great project. Jesus' followers... The real ones will always be confronted with a Jesus who's initiating with the most scandalous people in culture. That's, if you follow him, that's where he's going to take you. He's going to take you to places where you're going to eat with people physically and metaphorically who are totally outside the bounds of respectable religious society. That's what Jesus is like. And that's what he does. And that's what he invites his church to be. His church is to be an extension of life around that table. Where it didn't matter who you were, what you called yourself, or where you've been, didn't matter what you'd done, that you were welcome. We make room. Because the only thing we've got in common is just a colossal commonality of brokenness. And being recipients of the generous grace of Almighty God through this Jesus. And so you have two visions of what it is to be the people of God today. One that says, this is for the faithful only. Get your act together. Get cleaned up. And then the one that's Jesus-like then simply says, no, no, this, if we let you in, we're gonna let anybody in. There is no inside and outside. There's no club here. Are you moving towards Jesus in whatever way, or are you not? That's, that's it. And so we see, so if you're here, literally, if you're, a, if, you're, if you're going to be part of our community here and you are a Christ follower, our expectation is you're bringing people to the table. This is not for you. This is not for your comfort. This is not for your convenience. This is not for you. This is for the people you love, to find a space to be in process and to see how beautiful Jesus turns out to be. So our expectation is that you're trucking people along with you. Not because you've got an agenda, but precisely because you love them. And we've got a whole crew of people here who've been told in one way or another, this isn't for you. You, you had children out of wedlock, the wrong sexual orientation, the wrong politics, the wrong theology, the wrong gender, the wrong race, whatever it is. Instead of being the most inclusive expression of the love of God, this has become an insider's outsider's deal. And the thing that ticked everybody off about Jesus of Nazareth is he did not play by those rules. He just didn't. And if people said, well, you're just condoning sin, Jesus said, okay, It's not not the healthy. You think you're healthy. How can a doctor help people who think they're healthy even when they're not? No, I've come for those who know they're sick. Those are the people that are open to this thing that God is doing. So if you're here and you've been pushed to the margins, understand what Jesus would do with you. Jesus would call you down out of the tree, Maybe, maybe you're like that. Maybe you're just kind of like, oh, this thing's interesting. I've heard some things about this Jesus. The religious people are nuts, but I, the Jesus behind him seems cool. Maybe you're just like that. Maybe you're just kind of up in a tree sort of peeking like, really? Really? And what's Jesus do with people like that? Calls them by name, hey, let's eat. And then who knows what God will do? Because God does want you to realign around the reality of his great love for you. Of course. There are parts of life that don't promote flourishing. There are parts of life that don't align with what God said. Uh, yeah, that's true of all of us. So Jesus just comes along, loves you exactly where you're at, and then invites you to lay down anything that would inhibit your reception and then the consequent blessing of other people with that same love. This is what He does. So he'd call you by name and invite you to dinner. I think that's absolutely marvelous. And then for those of us who consider ourselves on the inside, he wants us to become the kinds of people who see the ones in the trees, off in the distance, by themselves, outcasts and misfits, and to go after them. Nope, not just hang around other Christian folk. To go and call them by name, and take them out to dinner. So we take that quite seriously. There is a lot of eating in our community. I, three months ago, I weighed 120 pounds. And then, I, you know, glutton. I, what can I say? I'm like, Jesus. I can't be a drunkard because I like Coors Light, and that doesn't do anything. That's just water according to all my beer stomp friends, but are you getting the picture here? Are you getting the picture? This is what our community's about. Our community's about finding the pre and post-Christian people out there who are interested and curious, but they've been hurt. They, they're not willing to walk through all the garbage to get to Jesus, and we're the ones that go and just invite them to dinner. That's just what we do. And we just say, listen, I know we're crazy, but man, this guy, this guy's pretty awesome. If we're not scandalizing people, then, dare I say, we're not following in his footsteps. So if you're getting heat from your family, all right, because some, some of our core, they're getting heat. Some of our, our religious parents aren't quite sure what this is. And it's simple. Tell them it's a cult. <laughs> and that will, that will put them at ease. Tell them you're selling everything, and it's a commune. Oh, thank you. As long as I get to arrange your marriages, it's fine. (laughs) There's a big comet that's going to be here in five years. We're going to hop on. Now, so, so, that's a dated reference for those of you that Google it, comet cult. Um, So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing. Because for centuries, what people have done is they've prayed to music. That's what singing is. Now, you don't have to. Uh, Some of you don't know these songs. You don't know the words. No one cares. Just sit and enjoy. Enjoy joy. That's joy. Because this, this is good news, men and women. This is good news. Wherever you are right now, this is good news. God's not, God's not ticked at you. He's not upset. Lightning isn't going to strike because you showed up. No, no, he's actually for you. He's relentlessly pursuing you. He's far more beautiful than anything you could ever imagine. And he invites you to come out of the tree and to come in to fellowship with him and with his people. And for some of you, that is the scariest thing. And that's why we tell stories so much here. Just to say, man, we're all jacked up, and we're all in process, and we're all loved in the midst of it. So we're going to sing. Some of our Christian folks will stand up, and they'll sing, and they just picture like at a concert, that's what you do, or a, a football game, and football is back today. It's the best Sunday of the year, men and women. Baseball, what's that? I don't care about rowing in Rio. I don't care. It's football. It's football. It's football. All right, what were we talking about? Singing. So some people will stand up. You don't have to. Feel free to be wherever you are, but I want to pray. All right, you did it. You made it through the worst part. You did. You did. Sleepily, but you made it. I don't blame you. I'd be sleepy too. So Lord Jesus, would you reveal yourself uh, as uh, the most majestic um, the most beautiful, the most amazing thing this world has ever seen. So, the good news is so good that people just didn't believe it. And so I pray for those of us who are uh, followers of yours that we would be captured by the mission and, and compelled by your great love for people. And for those who are on the fringes, and I know there are many here, that they would feel that embrace, they would feel the invitation, that they would dare to believe the good news is really this good that jesus is not not waiting to smite them but jesus is waiting for them to come down and to engage in relationship with him and so we're going to sing father we pray that you'd receive these prayers as reflections not only of where our heart is but where we want it to be and, uh, and so we're grateful to gather together to just be reminded of how steadfast you are in a world that just seems so crazy. So we honor you and we bless you in the name of Yeshua.
2: The streets I walk When cathedrals sway me To believe the cross Is not just decoration For their hallowed halls But it's a short salvation For those who are Jesus call. there is one wrong Earth and heaven, we're not living the way we were meant to be. God in heaven, won't you show us who are we? Cathedrals built a million miles high. Wipe away the film from my wandering eyes. Shine like brilliant beacons of heaven's light. Remind me, God is king. He will set the world right. in heaven won't you show us the road we need? Oh, cathedrals won't you sing that song again one of peace on earth and goodwill to man for there are those downtrodden who sit on your steps? The hope you hide inside is the only hope there is. That
1: was a joy, that was a joy original, huh? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jacqueline, your turn. So this is Jacqueline. Jacqueline, how long have you been coming?
0: I have been coming.
1: Yep, they'll, they'll get to you. Do it.
0: I have been coming uh, since June. When nice.
1: Since to- that long time ago.
0: Yes.
1: And um, and and it, and it seems like it seems like because you keep coming back that you like it, cool. which is okay. our goal. Um, and uh, and so. Uh, Jacqueline is one of the first people who, who've been sitting in your seats going, hey, I'd love to share. I got a bit of a story. So uh, hello, Courage. Uh, we're grateful that you would share. So, and, and I love, and I love, and she says, because she, she carries this wad of papers, and I'm like, man, is this like half an hour or what? She's like, no, it's six minutes and 30 seconds, and then if you interrupt, it's seven minutes. So just count on that. All right, Jacqueline, take it away. Okay. You want the towel of authority?
2: Sure. Yes! The anointing!
1: The
0: anointing! Awesome. All right. We'll start with my name. My name is Jackie, and this is my story about OCD and the church. So my entire life, I had struggled with something called mesophonia, which is a sensitivity to sounds and hatred to feet movements. I literally can't be in a room when someone's chomping gum. I want to punch them in the face, just being honest. Uh, This was something I never really talked about to anybody because I was afraid of being made fun of, put in a box. Um, Many times growing up, I was told I was overreacting, get over it, um, all these crazy things. Well, about a year ago, it really, really got bad, and um, it turned into something different. I started to struggle with some very, very disturbing thoughts and intrusive images. I thought I was going to hurt myself, um, kill myself, and hurt other people. Mm. Um, I was afraid to tell anybody because, I mean, how do you tell someone, hey, I think I'm going to kill you? So, um,
1: My wife says it to me all the time.
0: Um, and this was extremely weird for me because I'm a very outgoing, bubbly person. My husband even said he fell in love with me because of my smile. So I was—I didn't tell anyone. Finally, I opened up to my husband, and um, he was extremely supportive, but he just didn't know how to, what to do with it. And I was scared to be left alone. I was scared to be by myself. Um, <clears throat> being an extrovert, you're already kind of scared to be by yourself anyway, so it, it kind of went more. Around mm. that time, my cousin had attempted to commit suicide. And that just, I was like, oh my gosh, if she does it, that means I'm going to do it. Uh, I was really just crazy. And I saw my family started to treat her. Of course, they still loved her, but they tried to put her in a box and mental health. And I just was like, I don't want to be looked at like that. I want to be like, everything's good. And I was really afraid to talk about it in the church because everything's always perfect sunshine and flowers. Oh,
1: yes. Look at them.
0: (laughs) So I had a bunch of train
1: wrecks sitting out there.
0: So I had um, opened up to somebody in my Bible study, um, and we continued to start to pray about it. But I honestly felt like God had abandoned me. I wasn't hearing anything. Mm -hmm. In this process, it got worse. I had some beautiful, horrible advice that I received from someone in my Bible study to pray it out. It was a spiritual attack, and I needed to rebuke the images and the thoughts, and so I was desperate to get rid of it, so I would start yelling, um, rebuke the devil and these images, and I would, like, compulse, and I would look like a crazy person, to be honest, and the people from my Bible said I came to my house, they anointed me with oils, prayed over me. All this did was make it worse. It made it more and more and more in my head. I was so scared. I wasn't able to sleep. I was afraid to be left alone. Um, and the worst part about it is, someone told me I didn't have enough faith. Come on. Someone said I wasn't praying hard enough. Can Come you tell me on. what that means?
1: Yeah, like, I have a bad word I could use okay. <laughs> about those people. That is awful. And the last one was Jerk face uh, is
0: the word. I had. Um, I had sin in my life that I needed to repent, and that's why I was going through this. Come on. So, um, Come on. All right, all right, hold on. Teaching moment. All right, Jesus followers,
1: three things you should never say. You don't have enough faith, pray it out, and what was the third one? Oh, I have sin in my life. You have sin in your life. Awful. How about just, I don't know, how can I help? How about that? All right, so let's go. Okay. would have loved go. that. That go. would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. Um, all right.
0: So I started to like literally think of all the sin and my past and start praying about it. Um, nothing was working. And there was about two or three weeks ago you did a sermon on this about how if someone was disabled, it was because someone in their family was who sinned. That and was
1: the thought back then, yes. Yes,
0: and so I, that sometimes is still today, and I thought that's what was wrong with me. So finally, I reached out to um, my husband and I have some mentors in our life. And for the first time, someone didn't tell me to pray it out. She was concerned about me, encouraged me to go to the hospital because it could be a chemical imbalance or vitamin deficiency. So the next day, I went to church. At that time, we were going to EV Free. They have an awesome prayer room. Mm-hmm. I prayed with somebody who has major depression, and she was on meds, and she looked at me, and she's like, there is nothing wrong with what you're going through. You need to go to the hospital. And she um, told me about Mike Erie's story. I had no idea. I read his blog, and I was like, oh, okay. It's okay to like not be okay. And so then, um, we went to the hospital. My and- wife
1: wrote that one, <laughs> but okay.
0: Uh, and the psych nurse diagnosed me with OCD and anxiety. Basically, what can happen when you have OCD is okay. you can get this image of, um, like, for me, it was this image that I was going to hurt myself, and it turns into this, like, broken record where you see it. And when you try to make a compulsion, i.e. prayer, you're feeding the monster. So I was, the advice I was getting was making it worse for me. So um, my husband and I um, started to heal for, started to ask for healing path. Um, we... Got advice to go to a psychiatrist. Um, We really prayed about it, and it just wasn't our healing path. So I'm not on meds. I'm not putting meds down. I'm just saying that that was not my path of healing. I went into the holistic approaches. We had some awesome friends in our life who— Did you
1: use essential oils? No. Okay. (laughs) Okay. That's too bad. Those those work.
0: But I, I did go into... Lavender. You need some lavender. I did lavender. go into um, using... I did acupuncture and massage therapy. Um, we had some friends in our life who talked a lot about this Eastern medication, but then also going into therapy. And we found, by the grace of God, a therapist used cognitive behavioral and exposure response prevention therapy, which is basically the best way to um, help with OCD. While in therapy, I learned the advice that I I think I told you already, that prayer that fed my OCD was getting worse. The prayer became a compulsion. My OCD, I know Bonnie talked about it last week, I think, and her prayer life was compulsion. And that's my prayer life I still struggle with today. And that's just something that I'm in process. Like I love what he always says. And so I wanted to share this story to discuss the dangers of telling someone, pray it out, rebuke it, or get over it, just don't think about it, and all the other nonsense crap that Christians say to something they don't understand. If you don't have the fruit on the tree, here's a thought. Don't give the advice. So, uh, mental health in the church have been a sensitive issue for years. It's time we recognize healing can be done through many paths. Let's not put God in a box. His miracles can work in all ways. The healing path can be through meds, therapy, food, holistic measures, prayer. You can be healed in a day or you can be healed in a lifetime. And I really, I don't know why bad things happen. I don't. I don't know why they happened to me. I don't know why after his surgery, he went through what he went through. And I know there's so many more of you guys in here with the stories. And I don't, I don't but what I do know is that adversity actually can be a good thing. I know it sounds weird, but it's kind of like lifting weights. I'm really into athletics, and I grew up playing sports. And I don't know if you guys know this, but when you actually lift a weight, that soreness you get, your muscle's actually breaking down, and um, it's tearing. And the same thing when you break a bone, it actually comes back stronger. Well, that's the same thing sometimes when you go through. I know it's cliche, when, you know, what doesn't kill makes you stronger. But really, when you're going through adversity at that moment, it doesn't, seem that it's going to make you stronger but what you're realizing is that other people around you are watching how you get through it and sometimes you just go through things and sometimes you're never going to get through those things and you're going to be that way all through life and guess who's going to have the answer for you God's going to have the answer for you and it's all going to make sense then and I don't know why that is and I wish I did but (laughs) life's not easy I mean yeah and so One of the things that I want to talk about as well, just to kind of end, is as warriors of Christ, I believe the path of most resistance and adversity is what we're called to be. What he said was true. I'm sick and tired of comfort zone Christians. I'm sick and tired of you just sitting in there and we're in our little groups and we're Bible studies and there are people out there who need us, who are praying for us. And you know, one day I was walking down the street and you hear, you know, you look on CNN and there's all these horrible things happening, everything left and right. And I'm praying to God, why is this happening? Like, what is your plan? What are you doing? Like, what are you doing to make this stop? What are you doing for the homelessness and the racial war to stop? And he says, look in the mirror. You. I sent you. I sent every single one of you to do that. And you're like, oh, my goodness. And that's what it is. It just starts with saying hi and asking about someone's day. Kind of like what he talked about with lamenting.
1: (laughs) I like that you're quoting me so much. I like that. Here, hold on. Let me take this for a second. I'm sweating again. There you go.
0: Um, so in closing, we felt safe to belong here. I know it, that's what it says. And it's the community <laughs> and the vision of the church. Hearing other people's stories helped me move forward. Um, if you encounter people in society who are going through life, it's okay not to have the right answer. To be honest, a lot of the times you just need to Listen. You know, something really cool happened to us, and I was talking to Andy as he was helping me prep for this story, and he wanted me to share this in closing, was my husband and I, two days ago, we were at lunch in Santa Ana, and we just looked up, said hi to the girl next to us, she's in scrubs, and um, she was just so amazed that we actually started talking to her, she's like, everyone's on their phone, everyone doesn't even care about anyone anymore, and she was so amazed that we just sat there and listened to her, come to find out, her brother recently, just her only brother, um, died suddenly the week prior, she didn't know how she was going to get through the week. She didn't know how they were going to be able to bury him on the process of going through hardships at work and some struggles in, in pregnancy. And I didn't know what to say. My husband didn't know what to say. We didn't say anything. We just listened. And all I said to her, I said, maybe this is going to sound crazy, but do you want prayer? And she's like, she started crying because she's like, I asked God, how am I going to get through this? And then I started talking to you guys. And that was huge. Like, that was for the first time. It was like, God's like, that's what lament means. That's what you're supposed to do. Just look up and look at somebody. You don't have to have the Jesus answers. You don't have to have, you know, God will only give you what you can handle and all that nonsense that people will say to you. Just listen and love on people and ask if they need prayer, and that's all. And so I just wanted to share that in hopes that to be relatable and that, you know what, I'm in process. I may be in therapy the rest of my life, and that's okay, and yeah.
1: Amazing. Listen, no, no, no. Oh, I'm so proud of you. It, um, so we found another preacher, clearly. <laughs> um, uh, and, and I think she speaks to something that's so true, um, and that is, uh, that is mental health um, uh, she's referring to a struggle I've had with anxiety and depression for over a decade, and I'm on meds, and tried to get off and just was all horrific. So I'm probably a lifer. And, um, and that's just another place we feel like God extends incredible grace and incredible love and invites us to call those people who are up on the trees, who feel stigmatized, who feel left out or left alone, uh, to come down and to eat. And, um, and so I love that in the midst of your hardship, Here's here's God softening you up to this other other young lady. I mean, that's outstanding. So um, this is why we come to the table every week. Because there's one thing that's very certain uh, in this crazy world, and it is God's character, his faithfulness, and the good news. And so we come in the midst of good Sundays and bad Sundays, great weeks and horrible weeks, tragedy and victory, weeping um, and joy. We come and we come and we come, marching through life just to be reminded of what we so often forget and to to forget what we're so often reminded of, right? We always flip it around. God says, remember that my body was broken and my blood was shed, that you stand in a new covenant. Remember that. But what I remember, all the screw-ups, all the breakdowns, all the grief, all the mistakes, all the sins, that's what I carry into this. And the bread and the cup are the place where we pick up what we're supposed to remember and we put down what we're supposed to forget. And so um, we, every time after a story like this, we, we celebrate communion. So we're going to sing some more. And uh, secondly, um, the table's open for you. And you don't have to have it all figured out or things all lined up uh, to come and to take the bread and to dip it into the cup. It's for people who are in process and people who are unworthy, because it's the only kind of people there are. And uh, and so Jesus comes and invites you, um, particularly those of you on the margins, to come and be, be part of this family. And um, we, we have some folks who are in Vox shirts who will be praying. So um, Elaine's over here, Elaine gets the, I worked till 2.30 and showed up at 7, award, or 8, whatever it was, so Elaine will be up here praying, and then who's over here? Carrie, Carrie of course, Carrie, that's back where you belong, you threw me if you're not there, and then where's the gluten-free communion, because that, uh, that matters to our hipsters, And um, and remember, sh- shaved ice is always less scratchy than unshaved ice, and so that's coming, so don't <laughs> And then, this isn't free, so we are supported generously by many of you, and many of you have committed to live a life against consumerism, and one of the ways that you practice that is through generosity, Uh, and so we're incredibly grateful for those of you that help support us. There's never, ever, ever, we're never going to ask, we're never going to badger, we're never going to cajole people, but we just want to invite and so if, you, if you're into that kind of thing, there are participation boxes near the doors if you want to give that way. So uh, come to the table. You can sing. You can be prayed for. Uh, you can give. But this is now kind of our time to respond to what it is we've heard God say. So we invite you to do that however you would like to. So I'm going to pray. Do you want to pray for us? Sure. Okay.
0: Heavenly Father, Lord, we just uh, lift up this you know, wonderful Sunday to you, Lord, and that anyone in this uh, beautiful church today, that they can be just calm, and, and if they feel needed to share their story with someone in a box shirt or even just the person next to them and, and need prayer, that they can feel open um, that this is a safe place to belong, Lord, and that we're just so grateful that you did come, and the ultimate sacrifice was your body, and that that's what we're here for. Nothing else is just to know you, Jesus, and we're just so grateful. We love you so much in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Amen. All right. You see that? That's the worship leader. Like, all right, your turn. All right. So, Joy, spell your last name. Pronounce your last name. Spell and pronounce. Yes. Yeah. If they if they want your stuff, right? Do you have a Do you have an album out? I have an album out. Okay. Nice. Okay. So it's Joy.
2: Oladokun, which can be kind of tricky. Um, but if you go look, on. look
1: how white these people are. Of course it's I know. tricky. It's like <laughs> look at that. we're, we're a bunch I'm of sorry, Smiths and I'm Joneses it's it's like, all right, it's So It's a
2: lot I know it's Orange County. I'm sorry it came in too strong. Um, so, <laughs> 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 um, so the easiest way is to go to a website called Google. you may have heard of it. Ooh, it's, it's coming up these days. Um, and if you just type in joy OLA, Google will fill in the rest for you and you'll be to joy a OLA yeah. I hope. Okay. I hope that's the best I can do for you. I don't have okay. any like cool short
1: Oh, A. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna test that. Test it. All right.
2: Yeah.
1: See that it's good. Yeah. Test. All test right. And see that it's. Good. And it will take it to a website or whatever.
2: Yeah. Take me to take you take you uh, take you to the website and it'll show you the album. It's called Carry. It has my hand this hand on it like this, this. hand. Yeah. That hand. Yeah. That exact just hand. Just like that. Yeah. Oh They'll do it. No, just put it up there. No, no. I just want to see. I just want to see. <laughs> that's amazing. It's a good looking hand.
1: All right, brothers and sisters, we made it. What time is it? Oh, man, David's going to be so mad at us. He's a children's guy. All right, so let's stand up and get out of here quickly. Except they're shaved eyes. (laughs) Introverts, we're attempting to stop you so the extroverts can catch up to you. Okay, so I'm going to start early and bless you while I'm walking out there. Okay, because some of you I never get to say hi to. All right, Josh, catch me if this goes sideways. All right, if this goes sideways, you got it. catch me. Ah! All right, we're so glad that you're with us. And uh, we just want to bless you as you go. Shaved ice right now, right now. You thought you were coming to church. You, you were in fact coming to a shaved ice social. A shaved ice social. Ice cream social sounds so much better. Shaved ice social. All right, so I'm going to bless you with that in mind. Agreed. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And I missed one. Hold on, I gotta start over. All right, let me try again. Start over. Open your eyes. Close them. (laughs) May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift. Ah, now I'm all jacked up. May God bless you and give you peace. Amen. All right, introvert. All right. All right. Shave that social.
0: Thanks for listening to the Box Community Podcast. Participate in the Box Community at slash participate.